This is season one, episode four of Optimistic Dreamer Podcast. For this episode, though, I'm doing something different. I am not here alone. Say hello. Hello. How are you? <laughs> what up? Yo, introduce yourself to the audience. Hey, guys. This is Caleb Garcia, an old friend of Victor's. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. Dude, I'm happy to have you on the show. So what are we talking about today? I think we're talking about stuff comic book and superhero related. Uh, yes. Today is an interesting episode. We're going to be talking about superheroes and the difference that 20 years makes of like what superheroes are popular 20 years that are not so popular today. It's a certain archetype of superhero we're going to be discussing. Which is pretty much what we talk about anyway. So. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Every time I see you. We're both secretly nerds. Well, yes. I'm more secretly a nerd than he <laughs> I'm, is. I'm openly a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we're talking about that today. So, on this episode of Op- Optimistic Dreamer, we're going to be talking about um, the archetype of the powerful yet moral superhero. And how does that relate to the world we live in now? Yes, there's a, a, a quote that... Adam Scott says in Parks and Recreation where he says, nerd culture is mainstream now. So when you use the word nerd derogatorily, it means you're the one that's out of the zeitgeist. That is a true statement. So really, talking about supers and stuff, we're talking about the culture, pop culture. Um, Today's culture. What do you think people nowadays think about a superhero type like, say, Superman? Clark Kent. I think he is one of the uh, less popular figures in the culture, not among the fan community. But I think one issue with recent movies and interpretations is they're so fixated on what does he mean? What does he represent as a figure of the original superhero that's been around since 1938? Mm-hmm. And um, like Superman Returns, he goes away for a while, he comes back, and the world has to sort of reconcile. What do we think of this guy? But what do we what like separates, like, say, Superman from, like, the Hulk? I mean, they're both very powerful, but, like... They are. I mean, I think Superman was the original template that kicked off this modern American art form. Uh, I think the Hulk is, he's kind of a Jekyll and Hyde figure. I think Stan Lee even said that when he created him. And there was a lot of Frankenstein there, a lot of like the monster, this man, this monster. And that's very cool. So it's the whole like beast within archetype. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Which is one reason little kids like the Hulk a lot. They can relate to the rage, you know, having this rage inside Mm -hmm. of me. They just want to, you know. But Superman, on the other hand, like, he's also powerful, but he doesn't... He's restrained, though. I mean, that's really his greatest uh, superpowers, that he's not crushing your hand every time he shakes a hand, you know? Yeah. (laughs) That level of restraint. Whereas, like, the Hulk has to struggle for control with his alter ego, which is the eternal struggle between Bruce Banner and the Hulk. Yeah, and there's the, you know... There's How do you think whole... that applies to society today, though? Like, say, like, you and I are walking through life trying to mm-hmm. be good guys and trying to reach that unattainable height of... <laughs> or ever-going uh, self-improvement ambitions? <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. 
so like for me personally like mm-hmm. i use superheroes a lot to motivate myself you know to overcome my like struggles um the temptation yeah. to take the easy route by being a lack of better words like a douchey human being you yeah know? like because it's kind of accepted in a lot of ways nowadays so i'm like mm, but i try to take the hard path of trying to be a better guy and i'm not saying i'm always successful at it but i i do my yeah. best but absolutely and what i like about superman specifically is that he was born that way so he has it within him within his dna to be super to go the distance and wait so when you say born that way are you talking about his powers or his his moral compass i was talking about his his powers yeah like he comes to earth soaks up the the yellow sun gets gets these abilities Mm -hmm. um where i you know a lot of people like batman i do too and they're like well i like him because i could potentially be batman if i did the training and did the thing but i like how effortlessly superman is superman and it's like when we discover our purpose and what we want to do it becomes effortless we're doing it because we love to do it and it's like tapping into a superpower like like finding your gift i don't think it's i don't think it's effortly is in sense though like i think it's easy for him to yeah be superman but it's not effortly it's not effortlessly to do it within the world he lives in because he's surrounded by fragile people who are not as and vulnerable as him no yeah that's true i I meant you know doing this running fast or flying or those things are effortlessly sort of like mutants you know yeah. Um, the, the X-Men. I mean, those since childhood were my two favorite were like the X-Men and Superman. Um, and I like that sort of born that way aspect to it, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, in Smallville, you know, they're always, they always call his abilities a gift. Like you have these special gifts and I like that, that part of it. So like, as far as superheroes go in the fictional sense, like mm-hmm. I feel like they're icons that like we look up to for like inspiration, like how that we can apply it to our lives and like yeah. And do you think like a all powerful yet moral superhero is still that like icon people look up to, or do you feel like it's it's a good question? I I think what makes Superman interesting is the man part, the humanity part. Mm -hmm. I think that's what people have to relate to those struggles of having a job, having a boss, having to juggle both lives, both identities. Um, I think the popularity of Captain America and the MCU in these films prove that, yeah, a, a boy scout character, if he's played sincerely, um, speaks to people and they still like it and they they like that uh sort of confident morality of Mm -hmm. i know what the right thing to do is and i'm going to do it yeah yeah that's why superman's always appealed to me the same with spider-man it's like as two guys who like they're powerful they have these amazing abilities but they've drawn a line for themselves yeah, it's the ultimate not power like someone, fantasy. Yeah, it's not like someone else drew that line for them, but there's a line for themselves. And they say, if I cross this line, then I am no different from what I fight against. Yeah, 
definitely yeah it's 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 the goodness fantasy as well as the power fantasy it's like oh i aspire to be good yeah like this character and then you have superheroes like wolverine who i Mm -hmm. I like but yeah (laughs) his line kind of moves yeah yeah someone a little more anti-hero that dude's not he's not afraid to like and and a few people so he doesn't have to like revisit <laughs> yeah and, and there there's you know room for that character too you know definitely i think you need the guy the you know if it's the magnificent seven the yul brenner character who's gonna ride into town you know fix things whip now, them into shape say, and then when leave say, when you say that you gotta like like we're knowledgeable of like old some, movies. Some old westerns, yeah. <laughs> so like for people who are not knowledgeable about those things, like yeah. can you like explain that a little bit more? Well, the Magnificent Seven, to to use a modern comparison, was like the Suicide Squad, or was like the Dirty Dozen. There were sort of these anti-hero group of people who mm-hmm. banded together to defeat whatever villain was in this western town, and yeah. the main guy, Yul Brenner, was like a Wolverine or a Han Solo type, this anti-hero type that um, you needed someone. It, it's almost villain versus villain to come in for a time, defeat the villain. And then he moves on to the next town. He's like, my work here is done. Yeah. There's so, a uh, series. Him in civilized society doesn't work. Cause he's, he's a wild yeah. horse, you know, you can't yeah. tame him. There's a character in um, Japanese cinema slash TV shows. Um, called Zatoichi. Oh, he's like a, a blind masseuse, but he's also secretly a master swordsman. Oh, and an ex yakuza. Okay. But, like, he travels town to town, and he ends up like always fighting against some an evil lord, an evil bandit, and he's just he can never settle down in that place because it's just there's no place for him. He doesn't belong. Yeah. There. Like, he has a hard time just fitting normally into society. Yeah, you mentioned the Hulk. One show I loved was the Bill Bixby Incredible Hulk show from the seventies, and I loved the template of he's going from town to town, getting yes. it, getting people out of jams, and you know, getting into trouble. But whereas like characters like Superman or Spider Man, like they have their hometowns and like yeah, they defend that hometown, they make their lives there, and like their people they love become targets because they develop that weakness which i feel is like yeah superman's weakness is kryptonite but his biggest weakness is the people he cares about yes absolutely because they're not invulnerable like him yeah that and that he he just he can't be everywhere at once you know he does have to choose yeah he's not omnipotent no and then you have characters like built off of the superman like template like talk about the boys like <laughs> homelander oh the, okay like, yes i see what you mean yeah yeah he's not as powerful as could be like like shazam no, okay yeah and then a new show it's an older comic but a new show invincible yeah yeah the homelander is definitely yeah, a superman and captain america combo because so like, he, he has that sort of patriotic costume yeah. as well so crazy things the- so like what i'm like <laughs> on the nerd forums or like um, YouTube video comment sections. And we're talking about like Homelander and Omni-Man in comparison to Superman. People are all like, Oh, Omni-Man or Homelander can crush Superman. Superman's too much of a boy scout, like whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of funny that like they're Superman archetypes, but they're both villains. Yeah. So I know you got some notes. So I wanted to focus on this. Yeah. Yeah. Why? And certain why do 
people talking on thoughts of like why are villains more popular than heroes you think innocence hmm well yeah i think grayness and moral ambiguity um it is it has a certain cynicism and i think that does stand the test of time i think it's it's relatable for the audience Mm -hmm. as well um um and i think it's it's even more adult in a way um because it's it's like every good you know detective show is this guy who's like an alcoholic and kind of washed up and you know Mm -hmm. like true detective and he's going to strip clubs you know he has like these bad habits but then he's also the guy who can obsessively dedicate weeks to solving a mystery yeah and do and and a lot of those stories are redemption stories as well so it's like the second chance especially if it's an older character it's like a one last ride i'm gonna sort of redeem myself Mm -hmm. and that's i think appealing because everyone wants a good redemption story. Yeah, a good redemption and story. We all right? secretly want Everyone wants Kylo Ren to redeem himself in the end. <laughs> Bro, I totally wanted that. I wanted that to spin off into Kylo Ren, like you know? the wandering Jedi slash smuggler trying to do good. And rede- that would have been great. Yeah. It yeah. But yeah, yeah. so I, I, what was I going to say? I lost track. But at the same, you know, I mean, speaking of that, you know, I think it, you know, one issue people have with The Last Jedi is that you took this this morally good character of Luke and gave him these issues. Like what if he lost his goodness and became this way? And it's like, well, you don't have to do that with every character. Mm -hmm. You can have Luke who, even though he's in exile, that's perfectly reasonable. Jedi's do that. (laughs) They go into exile and, and you know, into hiding. Um, But when called upon, he's the guy who would join the fight. Yeah, and we'll say okay. I'm here for my he sister and for the rebels, and yeah, he could have been their equivalent to uh, Gandalf. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Instead of making him like he turned his father to the light side before his father died, and then you have the same guy turn to the dark side out of fear of what his nephew would become. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, but we yeah, can go into a whole convo about <laughs> sure, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, a lot of nerds. Yeah. <laughs> hearts broke watching that those movies but um i know you got a lot of notes there that you wanted to go over yeah so let's dive dive into those okay so what i uh thought would be a cool topic is i was thinking about Zack snyder and he's done five comic book movies now um 300 watchmen man is still batman for superman justice league Mm-hmm. Right, and I was thinking mostly of Man of Steel. Now I know he's a fan of Anne Rand. I don't know if you're familiar with Anne Rand. She was a Russian philosopher who wrote The Fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged, mm-hmm. and popularized the idea of ob- objectivism. And famously, two people, Zack Snyder and Brad Bird, like using Anne Rand philosophy in their work. Hmm. And I see that the most in Man of Steel. So I thought it would be cool to bring that up. So, so let's, let's dive into that then. So where, where do you see that in Men still? Okay, well, first I'll give you a little background on Anne Rand, if, if I can. That's a good idea. Um, so Anne Rand was born in 1905, grew up in a time when the Bolsheviks ruled Russia. 
The Bolsheviks were a far-left socialist Marxist faction founded by Vladimir Lenin. The Bolsheviks came to power in 1912, so Anne knew firsthand what they were like. When Anne was 12, the Bolsheviks confiscated her father's business. This was the reality in Russia. A socialist government takes your property rights and removes your ability to have income income independent of the government. They determine every economic aspect of your life, making you a serf to the state. Okay. So that's called collectivism, when the state rules everything. Mm-hmm. So she grew up under that and eventually fled it and went the other way. So after this, Anne Rand's family moved to the Crimean Peninsula in Eastern Europe. In 1926, she moved to America. In America, she wrote a book called We the Living, which is about the struggle between the state and the individual. This involved into a primary theme, which is collectivism versus objectivism. So collectivism was central to the Marxist-Leninist ideology of the Soviet Union. In this ideology, a man dedicates and sacrifices his life for the good of the collective, which is the state. Mm -hmm. It stands in opposition to individualism. In collectivism, there is identity. Uh, There's no identity apart from the group. You're part of the group. So... And she coined the term objectivism. The most similar word is individualism, which is one of the first things you think about when you think about America, individualism, right? So in objectivism, Anne views man as a heroic figure where happiness is the moral purpose of man's life, followed by productive achievement. This sounds a lot like the Declaration of Independence, right? People have been endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, like liberty and the pursuit of happiness. She was all about that, so that she really liked being in America and mm-hmm. what they stood for, um, which gets us into truth, justice, and the American way and what that means. So Anne argues that the only moral government is one that protects and respects individual rights, which is largely what libertarians believe today, I would say. Okay, so we see a lot of examples of collectivism in fiction. In Justice League, Darkseid turns people into parademons, right? The, the mindless drones that just serve yeah. their, the master of Darkseid. In Star Wars, people are brainwashed into becoming stormtroopers, right? Zombies, Zack Snyder has done two zombie films. That's a form of the collective. They just, you know, they're mi- mindless drones. Um, in Wait, Star- did, you, did you watch Army of the Dead? I did, yes. I loved it. That, that was a different take on <laughs> zombies. I like, it was kind of fresh because they weren't all mindless. Yes, that's true. Yeah, there was like a higher evolved form of zombie. Yeah. Yeah, and they had their own like zombie queen and Yeah. And the stuff. Alpha, the leader. But so real quickly, so like in Star Trek, the Borg Collective is like another good collective example. Um Okay. Man of Steel. This is where Man of Steel comes in. You've seen it. We've seen it. We've I all love seen the movie, it. By the way. Man of Steel. Um Not now, many people do. Man of Steel, it's the story is credited to David Goyer and Chris Nolan, but yeah. I got to think Snyder was very involved in shaping that story because it's a very Snyder, Snydery story, mm-hmm. <laughs> even if he didn't get writing credit, right? Um, so, in Man of Steel, all Kryptonians have been genetically engineered to do a specific job in society. 
So Jor-El explains this all, right? Every child was destined to perform a predetermined role in our society as a worker, a warrior, a leader, and so on. Your mother and I believe Krypton lost something precious, the element of choice, of chance. What if a child dreamed of becoming something other than what society had intended? What if a child aspired to something greater? Mm-hmm. Now, that's a very Anne Rand question. Um, so, and then... I've heard that quote many times. Yeah, it's a great quote. And so then later Zod, when he's explaining why he is the way he is, Zod says, I exist only to protect Krypton. That is the sole purpose for which I was born. And every action I take, no matter how violent or how cruel, is for the greater good of my people. So Zod was bred to be a warrior, you know, mm-hmm. like he's a dictator. He, this is, there's no subtlety here with, no. yeah. <laughs> with what Zod represents, right? Like he's willing to do genocide if it means helping his people. Yeah. He was like Jor-El you know, opposite. He's space Hitler, basically. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And Superman is space Jesus. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so Zod's allegiance is to, you know, the state and nothing else. Um, so, so Man of Steel makes it very clear that Kal-El is unique because he has free will. Right, Jorah says, We have a child, Krypton's first natural birth in centuries, and he will be free to forge his own destiny. Yeah. You know, that was very big. And that, you know, that that, that was kind of added to the, the Superman mythos. Like, that's not really part of the origin. That, yes. And, you know... And I'd say that's not even my, my favorite part of the movie. I just find it fascinating. What I really like about Man of Steel is how it's about identity and discovering who you are and your genealogy, your family history, where you come from, and ultimately what his calling is, what his purpose is. I think that stuff works really well. And I like the backstory of Krypton, how they were this super advanced technologically advanced society and what their downfall was so i like the stuff he added about them being explorers and they'd go out to different planets and have stations and they tried to map mm-hmm. the universe and explore it and, then at some and point they stopped they, being explorers they gave it and a, that's, yeah that's what led to the demise yeah exactly um so i mentioned the american way before i was thinking of you know, the 1950s Superman show mm-hmm. where, you know, he fought another ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. And that motto became very synonymous with Superman. A lot of people use that. He's very patriotic. Very patriotic to mention the American way. And I think that, you know, that was in the that 50s. Was, that was different during... in, yeah, that lasted all the way through like the 90s. He was the, Ameri- the American yeah. superhero. It did. And then like I think lately it is a little more international flavor yeah. too. He's a citizen of the world he's kind like of a, an he's idea. He's become a protector of yeah. Earth. Which is fine. But, but for that to be in the 50s, it's like the Cold War. It's against communism. Yeah. It's like that's when we added under God to the Pledge of Allegiance to say we're not like the godless communists. So it made me think like, well, what is what is the American way? And can it be applied to, you know, individualism? Mm-hmm. Like if collectivism is the Russian way, objectivism is the American way. But do you feel like that was used in Zack Snyder's Man of Steel? Uh, a, a little bit, because he has a line about, he says, Superman says, I grew up in Kansas, General. I'm about as American as it gets. I'm here to help, but it has to be on my own terms. 
He says that to the general who we find out later is really the Martian, Martian manager the whole time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a scene that really hits me hard in Man of Steel, and it's yes. when he goes up to, he's out in the snow and he walks to the mountaintop and he has a mm. conversation with his father's, his adopted father's ghost. Yeah. And they talk, and then he yeah, realizes that's that a, he's about not... The, the horses and there's the rain, right? Like the flood. Is that the... <laughs> no, it's the... It's the oh. <laughs> when he's struggling with, like, fighting Zod, and he's struggling with, okay. like, yeah. should he give in to Zod, and because Krypton is, Kryptonians are his people. And then mm-hmm. he's struggling with... He's going through an internal struggle, and then his dad tells him the story of how he felt about his wife. Mm. And then... Kyle L yeah. comes to conclusion that Lois is his world. Mm, yes, and the, and so okay. I thought that was always interesting. Is like, yeah, he's fighting, but he's not putting himself under the rule of the United States. He's not. Yeah, he's not fighting as an American. Yeah, he's, which is when when he says that, you know, that's there was like the satellite trying to track him, and he throws it down, and yeah, he's like, you're trying to see where I hang my cape, General. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And so I like that. F- yeah, the, he is, the, he is no slave to the state, or you know. Yeah, yeah. I think it gives the idea of like of choice, especially. Yeah, because it's a good choice. Ugly truth of like, as he fought, if he fought for America, he was like this American superhero. Then, yeah, you come along the lines of someone like Homelander, someone who can be, because someone who can be tricked into. Dece- oh, Captain America is a better example. Yeah. Captain America is a very moral hero, good-hearted guy. But a lot of times he finds himself in areas where he's being used. Yeah. And in gray areas. And when, like, the person giving him his mission is not always a righteous person or a good person. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, like, Superman in that situation. Hydra, you know, infiltrate shield. And yeah. It's like Superman in that position with how powerful he is in comparison to Captain America would do way more harm if he's deceived. Yeah. Zack Snyder plays on that and his Justice League movie. Yes. And he, and gets, he does in Watchmen too, where Dr. Manhattan wins the war in Vietnam, yeah. you know, easily. And so like, I've always liked that. Cause I was thinking as like, um, we're all powerful beings. Um, a lot of times where we are powerful is not where we believe is ideal because a lot of us fall victim to idolization, idolizing someone else. So we want our area where we are powerful to be the same as someone else we idolize. Mm-hmm. But I feel like yeah. we're all powerful beings and we find that we're, we're powerful, we can make big change in the world. Yeah. And that big change may not also look the way we want it to be. But it, we yeah. have to find who we truly are. We have to go on that inward journey. We have to f- go on that, like, why Why should we take this path? There's, there's going to be resistance. It's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. But I feel like when we embrace and we find our powerful selves, we have to be wary of, like, how we can be used. Yeah. How not not everyone who's like leading us or guiding us or if we're leading others. I mean, we have to constantly like use discipline to like not give in to our own wants and not give in to our own vanity. Yeah, there's definitely something we're f- far more powerful than even if it's a, a kid or an animal or something that, yes, we do have to, you know, be the adult and yeah, know, have I that mean, self-control. Like, like even like not in that sense like mm-hmm. people who are have power and their talent to song or sing yes. or someone who okay. has power in their way to create visual art mm-hmm. someone who has power in a way in which they speak 
yeah. and they and they can move the hearts of masses. Yeah, they can use those skills to fight against negative masses, mm-hmm. and not necessarily in a physical sense. And then you have yeah. powerful physical persuasion. Icons, yeah, powerful physical icons like boxers or. Um, Olympic athletes, mm-hmm. or like, but I feel like we all have like something powerful that's about us. Yeah, and I feel like it it transcends like it doesn't matter what age we are, it doesn't matter if we're man or woman. That power is there, mm-hmm. and it's very real. And I feel like and like using that responsibly, you're saying, yeah, yeah using it responsibly, mm-hmm. and not giving into temptation where we can abuse that power. Yeah. And that's why I've always loved superheroes like Superman, because Superman could easily abuse his power at any time. Yeah, and, and it's the most power. <laughs> so, yeah. So he especially has to be very in control. Yeah, yeah it's cool. He has a, they, they created a character like Batman as someone who can keep him in check. Yeah. <laughs> because, but like, other than Batman, if Superman decided to go off the rails, like, who yeah, can stop him? He's definitely cr- it's a fictional character. A few people, yeah. But it's like a good example of like if we were. If we tapped into our all powerfulness, mm-hmm. like, and we knew, like, oh, no one can stop me. There's nothing I can't do. Yeah. And I feel like, what stops us? What makes us want to be better? What makes us want yeah. to? And like, I've Which, always, yeah, yeah. Well, well, that's one reason that makes Lex Luthor a compelling villain is he's warning, like, this guy's really powerful. He could turn on us, and we'd mm-hmm. be screwed if he, if he did that so you know he could just easily rule us as protect us because he's afraid of what he would do if he had that power, yeah which so is interesting right, yeah. yeah so you totally understand why lex would want to take these precautions you know and have this power of his own right yeah 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 it's interesting yeah, he doesn't like the idea of anyone being more powerful than he is. <laughs> he <does not. laughs> and he's the ideal of like That's what we issue. consider yeah. power right now in our modern day and age is wealth. Wealth is power. Like Yeah. And like it's a majority of humans idolize that of like someone who has money, a great wealth, when they speak, yeah, people listen. Yeah, it is it is definitely a form of power. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so like I've always I've always like put a lot of deep thought in that of like the areas where I feel like I have power. It's not a great power yet. I have a long way to go, but I'm like, there's a lot of times when I have to make hard decisions of like, when I knew like I, I could abuse my power to get by like this. I could abuse my power to get this thing I want. It's not something I need. It's going to cause harm. But mm-hmm. what if no one would know? Like, what is my conviction? How do I, like, how do I? Yeah. I was applying it to, to, to Superman. It applies to this because you know, like he does break the law all the time. He's going to all these places without a passport and doing these things. Yeah. And there is, but it's like for the greater good. And because he's exceptional and has proven himself trustworthy in this, yes, he can and that's should the, that's big break thing the law. Because like some governments would see Superman as not a hero, but, right, as, yeah. but as a criminal because he's, oh, he's doing this without the clearance of the government. Oh, yeah. he's, he's, crossing borders and some comics touch on that or like mm-hmm. the Justice League can't operate in this area or that area because it's outside of America's jurisdiction but the Justice League is separate from like Superman right yeah and, and there are certain people in Man of Steel the Colonel and the General that that's their arc is seeing Superman not as an enemy 
yeah that he's on their side it's right? the whole scene when they bring yeah. him in that didn't interrogate him and he lets them handcuff him and he sits down and he's exactly yeah, yeah. and you see like in, in civil war the big thing is with the you know the accords right should we be under government rule and operate when they give us permission or should we uh ha- have the freedom to operate on our own yeah and that's the whole you know captain america's on the side of no we if if something needs to be done we need to go do it we can't wait around asking for permission right yeah but it's a very tricky area and there's even if uh there was like a, a whole episode of justice league unlimited where they all agree oh we should need to turn ourselves in and be under the government and then batman's like you can turn yourselves in i'm not and then he mm-hmm. flies off which is a very batman thing to do now um i want to bring this conversation to a point of like mm-hmm. how how we see ourselves in the fictional heroes not yeah. just superheroes but in fictional heroes okay who's a good fictional hero sherlock holmes yeah i'm a big fan of his <laughs> I do that you know there I think the detective fantasy is 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 very popular um I think there's a there's a thirst for truth there like if we could get to the bottom of this because that's something we can all we can all do without powers and stuff mm-hmm. you know I think it's it's fun to like fall down the rabbit hole of trying to figure something out doing a little detective work I'm a big fan of like fictional detectives um, there's like three that are my top favorite yeah who i mean i you know like in in like sin city i like dwight who clive owen Hmm. plays so you know everyone's a little gray in sin city of course but he's like a a fairly upstanding character in in his morality Hmm. um he's pretty much on on the side of good there versus like a marv or you know someone who's more of a a bruiser type yeah and so wait so you see yourselves mainly in like fictional detectives. <laughs> I know those are the examples I'm well, using. The heroically ones, the heroic ones. Okay, so like, I do in some ways. So like, there's three fictional detectives that I sort of see myself in, mm-hmm. and I've taken some inspiration from them. From them, and the first being the oldest of them, Sherlock Holmes. Okay. Yeah. Um, I like always been a fan of Sherlock Holmes. Um. I like the fact, like, I see myself in, like, his dynamic with his older brother and his father. Like, he's a mm-hmm. second son. I'm a second son. Yeah. And that family dynamic and how Speaking he... Speaking of Henry Cavill, yeah. He finds his, his own way of, of being detective in that sense, where, like, his father and brother are also good detectives. But Sherlock Holmes is a bit unorthodox. Yeah. How he goes about things. And, like, so I've always liked that. And then the other superhero... Not superhero. The other um, fictional detective that um, I see myself in like that is... Um, L from he's from a manga and anime series from Death oh, Note. I was gonna say Stranger Things. I'm like no. interesting. L just oh, a little okay. L is his Death name. Note. Okay, I haven't seen Death Note. Interesting. It's a good watch. It's a good, good. watch. Okay. Well, he goes up against this um, person who starts out as a heroic figure, we think, but then spirals down into like uh, villain. Somewhat disagree, mm. but a very villainous f- figure, and like L has to like use his wit to like try and ultimately I won't spoil it for you. but yeah I like L I won't you haven't watched no. it so I won't spoil it for you and then the, my third is Batman okay yeah Batman is like yeah. one of my all time favorite fictional detective yeah who I, I would consider a superhero but yeah 
You need to see more of his detective work. <laughs> Wait, you don't consider him a superhero? No, I do consider him a superhero. Oh, so yeah. I was trying to think of like non-superheroes. He both. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's both. He, he like blurs the line. He's, yeah. like, he's like a superhero and also like a great detective. Yes, he has the, the wonderful toys. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, you know, and I think, you know, um, uh, like my favorite movie famously is Back to the Future. And, and I do think Marty is a hero in, in a sense, you know, as the protagonist of that story. Um, and I think that fits the mo- mold of like the hero's journey and someone who's anyone who like is going to journey into the unknown and has a mission to solve and figure out and then journey back, you know, and getting back, I think is a very relatable thing in the hero's journey, hmm. you know, you know, where I, I could relate to, you know, he has a mission, you know, and I rate him more than like a Rocky. I mean, I love the underdog story. That that element of Rocky is certainly relatable, um, but my underdog story doesn't involve boxing. <laughs> but, <Yeah>. but yes, <laughs> but I think I think we can find ourselves in these. We can find ourselves in these stories. Yeah, if we look past. I think the, the call surface. to yeah the call to adventure, I think is a big desire that we have, and that is relatable to to these characters and to us. Yeah, because I feel like if we look at like their inward struggles, their their struggles and their relationships with the people who are close to them, There's the ways in which they have to dig deep to find the courage and bravery to overcome the obstacles that come. Like, I'm not a boxer, but, like, I can relate to that, like, in watching Rocky. Like, yeah. I'm not thinking, oh, I'm going to get in the ring and box, but I'm like, I look at that story and then I take it to my life and I'm like, yeah. Yes. The I discipline, can. the training, right? The famous training montage of, you know, whatever skill you're trying to get better at. When I was know, a kid, like I used that to get through my homework. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that was my training you montage. You play the Bill Conti music. <laughs> I'm like, math, math, yeah, math. Like, go for a run. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, yeah, you know, Luke Skywalker, you know, we mentioned another very big one. This pure of heart guy gets the call to adventure. And it just, mm-hmm. you know, I think every hero, they there's a little resistance to the call but i think with the with these pure of heart good ones it's it's kind of a short resistance you know do you think that's something we can relate to because i feel like yeah absolutely we all have that kind of like fear and going after our calling yeah i feel like it's a majority of us would go to a path that's already been paved a way that's already been saying, oh, if you want to rebel against, this is how you rebel against it. You do this, you do X, Y, and Z. But I feel yes. like it's... Because it's, it's a, a call it, into the unknown. Yeah. That, that's that's the scary part. To go into the true unknown, I feel like, is for us to go into the true unknown, is for us to find that path that is ours. Yeah. Because it's we can look to other people's paths for encouragement and learning lessons, but knowing that our path is going to be different. We don't know mm-hmm. what lies ahead. Yeah, we don't know. We we just hopefully feel a calling to do it, and that and we're taking that leap of faith, that trust of faith, which is even the yeah. ancient in man of still when the the pastor guy tells Clark to take the leap of faith. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm a, I'm in the process of doing that. Yeah, right I mean, look, and I mean, is, you. It is. It is interesting. I mean, you know, you moved from Hawaii to LA. You didn't know anyone. Like that's a huge yeah. journey into the unknown of I don't know what's going to happen, but I feel like I'm supposed to do it. I chose and my, I'm going to do it. And yeah, you're, I you're I being obedient like, to that that calling. Well, I felt like for me, 
for me personally, not saying this applies to everyone. For me, that's how I found my my reasoning to just keep going forward in life. Mm-hmm. Like I experienced loss on a mm-hmm. large scale and really impacted me. And then I was like, okay, I can just keep existing and surviving and live for others. Yeah. And just like, that I'm like, okay, but am I truly like making a way for those that I like, I hoping those that I love if I'm just like not truly being who I am and finding who I am yeah, and looking beyond skin deep, looking beyond um, vanity, but looking just at my soul yeah. and the gifts that I have and what do I have to give to the world? What do I have to share with the world? What does the world have to share with me? Mm-hmm. And then stepping into that and like finding myself and not, sticking to the identity of yes i'm a musician yes i'm an artist yes i like to talk and like help people but like all of that together is victor so i was like what does it mean to be victor mm, yeah so taking that and then like pulling it together it was scary like stepping out because i'm like okay yeah if i just got this job doing the x y and z yeah i'm, I'm guaranteed to be making fi- financial stability in that area yeah Oh, if I just like... But that may not be your purpose or your calling. Yes. Yeah, the bigger thing, yeah. So for me personally, that's it. Like for me personally, yeah. I, I I wanted to go to college to be a... And like maybe get out and be a detective or a forensic or yeah. something like that sort. Or go to be a psychologist or a criminal psychologist. But I had to come to the realization that's not who I am. Right, yeah. And then I wanted to be a football, I wanted to be a pro football player. I played a lot of football and I'm like, okay, that's tied to my vanity. Right, yeah. Like I want to be accepted. I want people to look at me and cheer. I want to be like ad- admired in a sense. So like, and, and at the same time, like be a physical like peak or whatever, and like come against and have that challenge that like tie into my primitive like male that's inside mm-hmm. of me. But then I was yeah. like, yeah, I can do that in ways that I know are more difficult. Yeah, absolutely. In ways that are not physical, to transcend that, transcend that. It's not like yeah. battling with my own personal True. demons, battle, battling with my own fear, battle and overcoming those things. And like, you can't just physically grab those things and crush them. And like, yeah, you can do definitely. a million push-ups, you're still not going to get rid of depression. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Tom Cruise, remember so that like, next time you do it. <laughs> push-ups so yeah and i think that's one thing joseph campbell says about the hero's journey is um wait 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 before we go forward yeah <laughs> let the i want the audience to hear i want you to share with me because i don't know this okay of like for caleb what does yeah. that look like for caleb i spent like a lot of time talking about victor but i'm interested to know about <laughs> you well i think i mean yeah the point i was gonna say is is the the hero leaves to find his strength and returns to offer it right and that's what you're they do on the journey is their they're finding their strength and they're calling and stuff. But I, you know, I think for me, um, you know, I love taking road trips and uh, travel. You know, I'm on a mission to see all 50 states. This is one of my things. So mm-hmm. and I'm trying to do longer trips where I go somewhere for a couple of weeks and stuff and, and explore. And, uh, you know, right now I'm living in Southern California, I think for a time. Um, but I think, the last couple of years have been this process of finding my calling and my purpose and what I'm going to contribute and what I'm going to do. And I think I found that with the podcasting and with the things I've done in family history and genealogy and making these short documentaries and these short films and stuff. And part of that is 
you know, teaching, but in this visual video form. And, you know, I think ultimately my goal would be to make a movie and make a documentary and sort of tell stories in that way. I would say I'm a storyteller in a sense. And, um, you know, I think eventually I will leave Southern California. I'd like to live somewhere out of state at least once in my life and, and do that, you know, whatever that that looks like. But yeah, I'm constantly trying to do these things of, of self-improvement and think, how can I grow and how can I stretch myself? You know, I'm a person who's growing and learning and how do I keep keep working on that? Yeah. Hmm. That's cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> so... Yeah, finding that motivation for self-improvement, finding that motivation that's yeah. something to push you forward to better yourself. For, yeah, interesting story. So I have a, I had a way of, like, learning this in a very, like, clear way. Um, I was on this, like, treadmill, and I was mm. competing with my siblings of who could, like, bike the longest mile. And <laughs> my who first could motivation... smile the longest? The most miles, sorry. Oh, my miles. Okay, sorry. sorry. <laughs> who could go the, the yes? Who could go the most miles? Can go the distance, the yeah. furthest distance. Sure. And so, um, my first motivation was being better than my brother. I don't let my yeah. brother like. And so I, I got far, but then I got tired and I got gassed out. Yeah. And like my dad could see us like competing, whatever, and different things, and like our motivations went anywhere from like anger to jealousy to like competition mm-hmm. to like whatever, or like for hate of, hatred of being defeated. And then my dad put an interesting thing in my head and he was like, what if love was that motivation? And mm. I was like, uh, thinking to myself like, uh, yeah, it you is. Like the love of running? Love of victory, love of okay. running. <laughs> there you go, yeah. <laughs> the hatred of losing. Yeah. <laughs> but like, still like, I, remember, I won't forget it to this day, was like, my dad was like, think of something, think of like your love of some, a family member. So I thought about the love of my mother. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, if I had to like push myself, I would do this to myself as a kid. I still do it nowadays. I'm like, okay, if I had to bike this long distance to like for get her some way, yeah, yeah, any extreme situation, I'm very, very dramatic individual, mm-hmm. especially when I was a kid. So I was like, if my mom was wounded, I have her on my back, or I have to like get her to this like hospital as far away. Like, how far can I go until I stop? Yeah, I biked for like seven hours. Yeah. <laughs> wow i biked for seven hours and i thought i only had biked for an hour yeah and for two hours i thought and i've only done that once in my life and yeah. then afterwards i the next not afterwards it took me like a day or two to like really process that as like huh my personally my greatest motivation in life is love yeah and it pushed me past my limits mm-hmm. and i realized that like Rage and anger don't do that for me. Rage and anger yeah. can get me out of situations, but I've realized that I go further on everything I do for the ones I love. Yeah. And then I've, I, I discovered that about myself, and I was thinking that maybe that is the most powerful thing that can motivate us as human beings. But I feel like we have to... I feel like a lot of people wrestle with the concept of what love is to them. Like, yeah, I have a good idea what that is for me, but I mean, I mean the same thing for someone else. No, I agree. I mean, I think that's why it it never goes out of style. This idea of the hero rescuing someone, you know, the damsel, the whoever may be being of service, I think for, 
you know mm. the the male nature especially they want to be useful they want to you know be in that role of helping and protecting and saving and having utility in that way yeah, absolutely yeah but serving like you, that purpose yeah yeah I've I found that like now it's starting to weave that into like fictional comic book stories mm-hmm. of like there's specific heroes now that have that motivation behind them yeah and it's, that's like um, Batman doesn't really like his more is to protect out of like a sense of duty yeah a sense of like no one's gonna do it I need to do this I need to make this sacrifice yeah. to make and this is my duty I don't whatever. want anyone to experience what I did as a child of yes yeah. yeah well there is love in that but I feel like it's not his primary like motivation but then you have characters like the flash mm-hmm. and currently in comics like that is his motivation and that's, the love of his mother and yeah yeah and I feel like that and like to see that in a sense of like um yeah and I think that like us in, yeah, us in humans, if yeah. you can find that what really matters to matters yeah. to us, and transcends our vanity, yeah. I feel like that motivation can push us to do amazing things. Yeah, which is why you know it's important for I think Superman to have friends and family. And this question of well, couldn't he? You know, he can't be Superman twenty four hours a day. They say that in Superman the movie, and if he's just being like he needs to remember what he's fighting for he needs yes. that other life of i can't be super all the time i can't do this job all the time mm-hmm. you know, that's yeah. definitely an important part of the character yeah same thing with spider-man is very similar except for the writers like to just torment poor peter parker <laughs> poor peter <laughs> i mean like yeah. the dude gets married and then like oh he's <laughs> no longer married and then like oh he has a daughter oh this happens to him like poor guy <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah, you know, he just, he has that resilience, and I think people like, yeah. Yeah, he does have resilience, <laughs> and like, yeah, I've always invited that. Um, well, like, to the, the tie this up, let's go sure. to, like, final notes. Final on, notes, okay. Final notes on, let's think about. Final notes. If you were to give someone advice, you don't need that anymore. You can put down okay. your note, your, pa- your paper notes. <laughs> okay. If you would give someone advice. Yeah, like someone how advice. To, how to overcome. Never double text. It's the first advice I'd give no. people. Advice okay. on like overcoming their fear. Mm-hmm. When they have to do something. Oh. Fear. Overcoming their fear when they have to. I just switched mics. My mic died. Okay. <laughs> overcoming their fear when they have to achieve something that they know they have to do. And they don't have time to like. There's no one else is going to come. But it's out of their comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first I'd say that in my experience, the anticipation of the thing is much worse than the actual thing. Yeah. Of, you know, it's like going to the dentist, right? The anticipation's worse than the thing. And um, that, you know, courage isn't having no fear. It's saddling up anyway, right? The John Wayne quote. Um that and that it's okay to be afraid it's okay to be scared but the only way out is through you have to do the thing to get rid of the fear and you can you know do it poorly as long as you do it and then you get better at doing it if it's like stage fright speak in front of crowds or whatever the thing is yes you're very nervous at first but you only get better by doing the thing like it's okay to suck at first but you get better at doing the thing you know 
keep the mic close. People want to hear what you got to say. So, you know, I hate to to say it as just a, as a just do it sort of thing. But like... I saw a video. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I mean, well, no, no, like, you know, like, look, yes, it's scary, but it, it might, like, if I'm speaking in front of a large crowd, as soon as I start, like, 98% of my fears go away. Like, it's just the scariest part is right before you start, you know, and then you take the leap and then it's like, oh, I'm still here, you know, <laughs> I didn't... <laughs> You know, I didn't yes, burst yes, into yes. flames. I can relate you know? to that. Kind of a thing, you know. I mean, you're, you're on stage performing all the time. Yep. I still get butterflies every now and then. Yeah. Like, it's. I think it's not as, as bad as you think it will be. And I, I go through this worst-case scenario exercise in my head. Like, okay, worst-case scenario. Uh, you know, it was a bad experience and you don't do it again. Or, you know, it, you know I, I think the you care a lot more than the audience care. Like you're judging yourself way harsher yeah. than the audience is judging you or even cares about it. You yeah. know, they're all tuned out doing their own thing. Yeah. 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 I can, I, I can relate to a lot of what you said. I, um, for me, I saw this video, mm-hmm. um, and this guy is like sw- swinging. It's like this rocky cliff, not really far down, but he's swinging on this rope off the cliff cliff and let go to fling himself into the water mm-hmm. but Interesting. instead yeah. of letting go of the rope he holds on oh yeah and it swings back and he lets go and he falls onto the reef oh yeah don't do that he hurts himself <laughs> and I think that like um, I was thinking to myself like a lot of times I overthink things yes like, you, know, uh, yes. you know you need I'm to do it you know it that. needs to be done but there's yeah. a fear of failure oh yeah there's like the sense of like it may not be perfect Yes. Uh, this sense of feeling like I'm unworthy to do yeah. this. I'm not ready. Someone else needs to come and do this instead of me. But truly, the only failure is not trying. You yes. Know, right? Yes. And it's like everything else is a learning experience. Yeah. You know? So, a lot of ways of how I push myself past that point is very selfless reasons. I'm like, yeah. I don't do this. Mm, yeah, if finding I don't a reason. This, no one else is going to. Or if someone else is, is going to have to, like, do it because I did not do it. Yeah. And that's kind of, as I oversimplified that, but yeah. And the same as yeah. like when I'm, you're standing on, on the edge of like a high jump for mm-hmm. some people, it's not a thing. They're on the edge. They just leap. Yeah. Good for them. <laughs> right. I'm not one of those people. A lot of times I overthink things and I'm like, I'm looking, Oh, I need to hit it this way. Oh, I'm heavier than such and such. So I may go deeper. Is it shallow? Will I hurt myself? Is this far up or whatever? Da 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 da. Time is just ticking by. Yeah, time's just taking by but I know it's something that I have to do so I apply that to my life and a lot of times I overthink things oh uh, it took me a long time to just start releasing music and recording music because I was thinking oh it's not going to be perfect mm. oh I'm not a qualified music engineer Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a qualified music songwriter I would different things and I'm like okay I just need to do this yeah. I think of that when, when I write something like the first draft is going to suck just know that but writing is rewriting so it just gets yes. better with every draft yes you know? <laughs> 100% agree with you that. Know, it doesn't have to be this perfect thing it just has to be honest yeah it has to be what you want it to be yeah so, yeah. so yeah we're gonna end this by just saying like embrace that fear embrace that awkwardness and just push yourself to like and we're right there with you guys we're trying to figure it out <laughs> So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and yeah. Thank thanks for 
coming on, Caleb, even though I just told you a mic at the end because my <laughs> mic died. Thank you. You're very welcome. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me anytime. Caleb would definitely be back on future episodes and we'll talk about like different things next time. But yeah, hope you guys enjoyed this. This is Optimistic Dreamer, episode four. Stay classy, San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Take care, guys. Love you guys.